So welcome to The Intern Whisperer. Our show is all about the future of work and innovation. And as all of my listeners know, we always bring in thought leaders, futurists, CEOs of companies, and HR professionals. So today I'm so excited to welcome Renee Hastings. She is the founder and CEO of Executive Help Now. Renee understands the problems of executives and their assistants. She had spent 10 years as an executive assistant to the CFO of of a nutrition and wellness company. She's a graduate of Dale Carnegie Leadership Training, and she's also managed a nonprofit foundation that provided relief, coordination, event planning, organization of internal fundraising efforts, and raised over $256,000. She's a podcaster, and her show is called Renee Speaks. I'm so grateful to have been a guest on her show. And I want you to be sure to reach out to her when you finish listening to the show because she's an expert in getting us all organized. So, Renee, welcome to the show. I am thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much, Isabella. I am excited to be here. And this is truly an honor and a privilege. Thank you so much for that amazing introduction. You're very welcome. I stole it straight from your LinkedIn. So I did I did enhance it a little, but it's okay. I love LinkedIn. I mean, you can put everything, all the pieces right there in one place. Yeah, that's the only place we can actually be open about our stalking of people to like, it's going to be a good person that I want to, you know, either do business with or whatever. And you're delightful. Okay, well, so kick off the show with tell us about yourself using only five words our listeners know we do this up front so you know what they are and you've had some time and you started with positive why positive I started with positive because I think attitude is everything and that nothing happens by accident everything happens for a reason and depending on the perspective you take on that thing as long as you stay positive about it then you can get through it. So I try to always stay positive no matter what is going on. Actually, my cousin said to me one day, she pointed out something to me that I say that I never really realized that I said. And I always, what I've discovered is that I say, well, at least it didn't this, or at least it wasn't that, or at least, you know, so it could always be worse is, is basically the bottom line of what she was saying to me that I have this way of saying, you know, phrasing things to stay positive and optimistic about things because it can always be worse. Oh gosh, yeah. Always. So true. And I always do that too. I go inside of my head and I go, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? And then the best, best thing. And then I'm prepared for anything. Right, exactly. And and you, uh, your perspective is so key and so critical because we have to think thoughts. So we might as well think positive thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very true. So funny. I, in my first meeting of you, I know that I was laughing quite a bit. So I'm down for this word. You get an endorsement from me. Awesome. So I say funny because I like to make people laugh and it's just about usually I'm making fun of myself or, you know, a situation or just trying to find the humor in in everything mm-hmm. um, just because it it keeps my spirit light and brings me joy to see other people smile. And so it, making people laugh, I think, is just as much for me as it is for the, for the other person. Mm. Agreed. How about energetic? Energetic. I love energy. So um, typically in my show, 
when I'm, you know, introducing a, a guest or whatever, I try to be so over the top and, and really go in on, and on how amazing this person is. And that's one of the things I learned in Dale Carnegie. So when I was a, a Dale Carnegie leadership training coach, um, we had a class, I went through the classes and then I was actually able to assist in uh, coaching a class. And one of the things they taught us is to be like, over the top whenever we're doing things just be over the top and that class was our place where we could practice being over the top so that when we got in real life situations then you know we can still bring the energy and uh which kind of sets the tone for the whole rest of the conversation so i like to have that energy and um in in conversations just because i think it, it makes for meaningful more meaningful and memorable conversations Oh, I would agree with that. I admire anybody that's gone through, and I know you had uh, also done, um, what's the one where Toastmasters, where mm -hmm. you have to practice the art of speaking without any thinking words is what I call them. I use so, and mm -hmm. that is incredibly hard. Yes. The, and um, the, um, is the filler words. The yes. It's yes. Yeah. Actually, so, in Masters have all counters. And if you use more than five, I think it was at the time, then it's something that you know that you need to work on. But they taught you basically how to use time and space to fill those places where you normally would, would put in um or an ah. Uh. Mm. And when you say space, does that also mean like body language? I'm curious. It could. It could because it gives you time to think. So when you're using the time to think, you're not using ums and ahs. That's very true. Driven. You are that. I think that is the first word I would have said. Yes, I am driven. I, and, and we'll get into this a little bit more when I talk a, a little bit about my history and where I come from and how I grew up and that sort of thing. But I am very driven. I feel like I'm operating in my purpose and doing what I was called to do. And so because I feel like the two are, have aligned, it just gives me so much energy that it make, I look forward to waking up every single morning and getting to do all the things that I get to do and planning and, and building the team and that sort of thing, which I'll talk a lot more about later. Uh, but driven is, is something that... Um, really sets the tone for how I make it through the day, each and every day, you know, able to check off boxes, meet goals, set goals, meet goals, milestones, and celebrations and that sort of thing. Mm, very true. So I want to thank you for sharing all of those great words about yourself. That's definitely going to help our, definitely our readers get to know you quite a bit more. Oh, I left out a word, caring. Okay, we'll go back. I'm not going to say that just yet. One more word, caring. Caring. So I consider myself a, a caring person. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later in the show as well. But one of the things that I learned and discovered on my journey is that when you put other people first, your own life is actually enriched and your life is more meaningful and more purpose. And so when I think more about others, it brings me joy. It brings them joy. And then life is just very full, full and, and complete because of the impact that you have on someone else's life. That's true. All right. 
So how, where did you go to school and how did you end up to where you are? And please tell us, you know, more about what your company is all about. Okay. So where I went to school is such a fun question because I actually went to a different school every single year that I was in school until I was in high school. Wow, that's sometimes, hard. Yeah, and sometimes <laughs> I went to two or three different schools in the same year. So that those transitions, that number of transitions really, I think, helped to frame my uh, ability to just kind of adapt to situations, new situations, and um, help me focus more on the education as opposed to developing the friendships and the relationships and that sort of thing, which, you know, for better or worse, it, you know, kind of is what it is or was what it was, and but it made me who I am today. And I'm grateful for the opportunities to make transitions and become more easily able to adapt to new situations. So I ended up uh, graduating at 16 from West High School in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, but during my school age years, the uh, city where I lived had a summer youth employment program, and that's where they exposed young people who were not able to go out and work in the um, real world uh, to real world opportunities uh, through the summer youth employment program. And so that started for um, that was available to young people from the ages of 12 to 15, because at 15, you could get a work permit. So um, you didn't have to have the program. So at 12, the Summer Youth Employment Program placed me at the Madison Urban League, and I was able to help them create their very first library. So they put me in this room full of books that were just stacked high and wide everywhere in this room. Nothing categorized, nothing labeled, nothing sorted, nothing anything. And so by the end of the summer, all of those books were sorted they were categorized, they were alphabetized, they were in their little boxes, they had labels on them. And I did that all by myself. And I was 12 wow. years old. And I developed this love for organizing things. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. I can, I like this, <laughs> these organization, you know, systems that I'm able to put in place. And at 13, the summer youth employment program put me at uh, a company called Norel Temporary Services, where I was able to help the franchise owner with her business. And so it was a temp agency. And so the people that were coming in were looking for jobs and I was able to hand them their applications and, you know, tell them what to do. And then they gave their applications back to me and I typed it into the computer. And I realized that with the clickety-clack sounds of the keyboards, I just fell in love with the clickety-clack sounds of the keyboard because it, to me, when I was clickety-clacking on the keyboard, putting the information in the computer, people's lives were changing because they were going to get a job and they were going to be able to help their, to take care of their families. And so at 13, I decided I love helping people. I love what this is all about. I love all the variety of work. One of these days, I'm going to run my own business or I'm going to run an office. And so from that point on, I just took business classes I went, it was in DECA, I was in um, 4, uh, 4-H was for the farmers, but 
Um, I took all the business classes. I took shorthand when we actually took shorthand on paper <laughs> with squiggly symbols. Yeah. <laughs> I did all of the things, all the typing classes. And that was going to be my focus because I decided at 13, I made this inner vow that I was going to run my own business one day. And from that point on, that's what I focused on and decided to do and started taking jobs as like a clerical assistant and or a receptionist, then a clerical assistant, and then an administrative assistant, and then eventually the executive assistant to the C-suite, which I did for several years, um, probably about 20 years, uh, supporting uh, very high level executives in major corporations. Uh, and as their right hand and their partner, it was just such a great fit for me because I just really valued that relationship and I valued um, the confidence that they put in me and the trust that they had in me to be able to say things to me that they couldn't say to other people in the company because you're their assistant and they know they can trust you with everything, <laughs> anything. <Yeah. laughs> and, and so we're like Fort Knox when it comes to confidentiality. It's just a part of it comes with the territory. Mm -hmm. and, and I just love that. So that was an easy transfer into the type of business that I was able to start, which was a virtual assistant service. So Executive Help Now is a virtual assistant service agency. We have a team of virtual assistants who specialize in different areas. We have generalists who are uh, focused on, you know, the, the general admin type things like calendar management, email management, project management, travel arrangements, you know, bookkeeping, that kind of thing. But then we also have others that specialize in social media management and engagement or um, graphic design, human resources. And even now, especially starting in uh, 2024, our video podcast production support uh, is also going to be a leg of the business that we're going to start offering. Very nice. It looks like you have made uh, an empire. It's, you know, always going to scale just like any other empire that we dream of. So yeah. that is, uh, I knew you were smart, but when you said you graduated high school at 16. I did. I Holy did. cow. <laughs> I was 16. Well, the, the thing about that is, so I was 16 and I had just had a child. So I was like, I have to go to school. I have to finish school because my mom was so adamant about um, education. And she firmly believed that one, if you have a great education, no one can take it away from you. And that is the most important thing. So I graduated and then started raising this child. But then after he got, he grew up, I was able to go back to school and went to college and got my degree in business management as an adult. Mm. Well, I'm sure that, you know, you've been an inspiration to your son also. I, I don't know, son, I think you said yeah, that. Son's actually, yeah, yeah. Son's There's son's no son. name given, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is a, a really amazing story because, you know, at 16, you were assuming adult responsibilities um, that most 16 year olds don't uh, have to do. That's for sure. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm trying to keep a, a whole person alive. <laughs> yeah, that's quite an undertaking most 16 year olds uh, should not have to to think about or deal with. But there are many of us who have and who did. And, and I'm very proud of uh, the accomplishment. It was hard, uh, but I had a great support system and um, and, you know, was able to 
to do I think a fairly decent job I asked him just last you know not too long ago you know how what he thought about me as a mom and he gave me all these glowing accolades and said oh you were awesome you did your best and it, you know so anyways it was awesome and I was like you know yeah. <laughs> it's like I tried and so anyways he's a he's a great kid both my sons are amazing and um they saw how hard I worked to try to set a really great example for them you know for when it comes to hard work you know taking care of people taking care of your responsibilities being responsible you know those sorts of things yeah that's really um really a good testimonial yeah and when your kids tell you that they think that you were amazing because you know being a parent is hard it doesn't come with you know really a rule book even though there's books out there it's just not the same (laughs) right yeah, right. you can read them, but that doesn't mean it always applies to whatever the situation is. So, right, or that it always works. I mean, yeah. everyone's got an opinion about something, but it's like you know, it's always a constant trial and error. It's like figure out what works and just keep doing that. Yep, that's very true. So, your favorite quote that you live by? My favorite quote that I live by. I have a couple. One of them is "Finish well." That's it. Just finish well, whatever you start doing, especially if you're doing an event planning or something like that. And there's so many details involved. Finish well, how you finish at the end of the day, once it's all over, said and done, are all the I's dotted, are all the T's crossed, is all the follow up done? Is the circle actually closed? Is it a complete thing? Finish Mm -hmm. well. Yeah. And then you also mentioned one to me that was more of a scripture verse. Yes. And that scripture verse is Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, where um, it says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you and plans to give you a hope in a future. And I'm kind of looking up at my wall because it's up on my wall. And and, and it's something that I uh, hold on to every single day, no matter what's going on in my life, that um, the, the, nothing is a surprise to God. He knows what's happening and he's planning and preparing and making cro- crooked places straight. And so I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to worry because he's in control of it all. That is very true. Yep. What about the hardest lesson that you learned that changed your life? I think you actually had to have just shared it, but um, you know, becoming a mom at 16 and also graduating school and getting a job like that sounds like an incredibly hard lesson, but you know, I, that might've been when you experienced some other life lessons. I'm not sure. Well, it was actually later in life where I learned the importance of putting others first. So that was one of the most important life lessons, because one of my blind spots that I had that was shared with me, because, you know, when you have a blind spot, you don't realize that you got this thing going on because, you know, it's a blind spot. So it takes somebody else to speak into you to say, look, you might want to change how you do this or how you say that and things like that. And so when I discovered that I had this blind spot and uh, making myself the center of everything, like everything that was all about me, everything was all about me. And I, when I shifted that thinking to, from being all about me to being all about others, that's when my life just radically changed for the better. Because no longer was I thinking about 
me and what I wanted or what I needed, but I was thinking more about the other person, what they need, what they're going through, what they're dealing with, taking into consideration and just being respectful of Mm -hmm. their schedule and their time. Um, That was just so important to uh, developing greater relationships, deeper relationships with people. And Mm -hmm. when those relationships are so much better and more um, intense, mm-hmm. have greater the uh, a greater experience um, in life because you're putting other people first and not so much yourself. Yeah, I would I would agree with it. That definitely aligns with servant leadership principles, and I'm sure it goes back to your Dale Carnegie training. But it sounds like um, the ability to be raised in a a Christian home that actually uh, was focusing on those scripture verses helped shape quite a bit of your thinking in your life. Well, absolutely. Well, and and that's the funny thing. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Mm. So it wasn't until after I became a mom myself where I had to decide how am I going to raise this kid? So the house I grew up in was the party house. <laughs> That's where everybody went to drink and get drunk mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, party, play cards, listen to loud music, be obnoxious and wild by the end of the night. We came, I came from a partying family, a, a generational partying family. And so, it, but when I had children of my own, I was like, is that what I want for my kids? Is that what? the environment that I want them to grow up in. I need to have them be better than me. So mm-hmm. how am I going to do that if I continue to raise them in such a, an environment without, you know, a moral, I shouldn't say without a moral compass, but without more structure, without more discipline, things like that. And so that's when I started my journey in search for God. Mm. I wasn't raised in a Christian uh environment of going to church. Uh, mm-hmm. But I also came to the Lord later in life. So I can appreciate that story too. Awesome. I think that's a probably a stronger testimony, I think, for those that, you know, may not understand, oh, you know, you had a bad experience. Well, this is a really positive. You chose him. Right. So it leads into what are you most grateful for? So I am most grateful to be on the wake up list every morning. What does that mean? <laughs> so I'm grateful to God that he chose me to be a part of another day. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. that one too. That would be a really good sticker. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. I made it on the wake up list. So I'm going to have an amazing day because not everybody got to have an, an, a, another day. So I'm most grateful for, for being on the wake up list. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Who in your life has had the biggest impact and why? Um, without a doubt, I can say 100% the person who's had the most impact in my life is my husband. And I say my husband because he met me when, you know, I was not the same as I am today. And he was so patient with me and guiding me and teaching me the importance of putting other people first and taking other people's feelings and thoughts into consideration as I'm, you know, going through life. And he basically 
I almost felt like a project at one point because I, there was so much work to be done <laughs> and trying to um, mold me into to um, just being better so that I could be happier and live a more fulfilled life. And he was just so instrumental in that. And I just I'm so grateful to him, well, to God for giving him to me and then for him and his um, helping me. Uh, What's his name? Let's give him a shout out. His name is Andrew Hastings. There we go. <laughs> Andrew we Hastings go. is my husband and he is a brilliant, patient, loving, kind, the kindest uh, man uh, anyone could ever meet. And I'm so glad that he's my husband. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like he's going to be really happy when he hears this too. Yeah. Because yes. it means it goes out around the world and everybody knows about it even more than, you know, when he's just in your company, or I don't mean that just when he's in your company, or even if you mention him on your show. Well, he'll probably, he's very, I won't say shy, but he's, he doesn't do well with praise. So, so I'm taking full advantage of this opportunity to just give him all the accolades and all the praise um, because it's, it's so well-deserved and, and just, he's just so amazing. Oh, super sweet. So what do you want to be remembered for in your life? I want to be remembered for making an impact in people's lives and making people smile, bringing them joy. Yeah, that that's music to my ears, too. I also love to do that all. Uh, likewise. So we're going to take a moment and acknowledge our sponsor, Cat5 Studios, and we will be back in a few. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. Okay, so now we're back to the second half of our show where we talk about what 2030 would look like. And we... Everything is open and fair game. I know that um, that Renee is going to be speaking about her own opinions. So get ready and hear what her thoughts are here. So what do you think 2030 is going to be like? Many people have gone to uh, reference the Jetsons and flying cars, or it could be, and, and we actually have flying cars, or it could be something from some movie that you've seen, The Matrix. It could be anything and everything. So um, feel free. It's just opinion questions. So there is no right or wrong. Well, and I'm so glad you asked this question because just recently I was watching a podcast, watching a video um, podcast, and someone was talking about the the relationship or a, a connection between Meta and Ray-Ban hmm. and how something come out. Yeah. And, and I was I was thinking, is this real? Mm -hmm. <laughs> By the time it was over, I was like, this has got to be like something you see in the onion, you know, like some far-fetched thing. Yeah. But actually, and I still haven't done the research to to validate it or to um to uh, fact check it, but from what I saw in this podcast, Meta and Ray-Ban have gotten together to put together these glasses that are AI glasses. And you, if you go somewhere and the glasses look at something and you want to know something about what it is you're looking at, you just ask the glasses and the glasses will tell you all the things about what it is that you're looking at. Like if you're looking at a building, it'll tell you the name of the building 
when it was built, who built it, you know, the impact it's had on the culture and blah, 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 the whole nine. Or if you're reading a, or looking at a flower and you want to know what kind of flower that is, you can ask your glasses, what kind of flower is this? And then it will give you the answer. So I just thought, if this is real, this is actually mm-hmm. going to be a game changer in life where no one can say ignorance is bliss anymore because there's no need to be ignorant about anything. And so I just thought that that was a mind boggling type of connection or a partnership or a a collaboration. And if that really is real, then I'm going to get on the list for my first pair of uh, meta infused Ray-Ban sunglasses. You know, that that's really interesting because, no, I've heard that, but I know that right now there's apps. You can hold your phone up and say, hey, what is this plant or what is this bug? And I've done that before, like a Google search. So they've made it so that it's possible to be, you know, have the auditory side of it, which is probably helpful for the blind because then even though they can't see something, they can have it explained to them. Um, so it makes it more accessible for those that have disabilities or language barriers. You know, that could be there. Absolutely. But, you know, and, and you don't need the and you don't need the phone. So the phone is typically in our pocket or something we have to carry in our hand. We can still be hands free and just ask our glasses. It doesn't have to connect to because obviously it works like a phone in that sense of it's connected to the uh, the Web, you know, Web three, if you will. So. It's got to have that kind of little mini computer going on inside of it, it seems like, because how would it know to do that? Well, I didn't get get all of these. That's okay. But what I'm thinking is within the sunglasses themselves is some sort of chip or Bluetooth or whatever receiver to do all the AI thing. Do you think it connects to the phone or is it totally, you do not, you said that we don't need a phone. So that would be huge to not have to have a phone any longer i think if i like i said memory serves right if memory serves there was no phone needed it was just the glasses just the glasses well i'm going to go and research that you gave me another (laughs) new thing to go and research and i love these conversations (laughs) yeah because it's like ooh, no i'm gonna go check this one out (laughs) <laughs> learn more about it and and I don't think anybody has to be an expert in it because like I watched the 60 minutes show on October 8th and it was about Jeffrey Hinton he's the godfather of AI and mm-hmm. I went back and I watched it again and I think I'm going to go watch it again I've been trying to find him to see if I could get him on the show Ooh. my podcast because he's the one back in the 50s that invented AI and he also has said that if we don't get our arms around this right now it's going to destroy humanity and I went you know I could I could see that like years and years and years but I I don't know I think that there's wisdom in listening to people that create things oh absolutely absolutely and I mean AI has gone so far as to say even um like you can when I see the commercials for the Google phone, the Google Pixel phone, I think, and all the different ways that you can manipulate images and pictures, and if people aren't even looking at the camera, you can AI their eyes <laughs> to be looking at the camera. Or, I've heard and, that too. That's amazing. Yeah. And even like if you want to do headshots or something and they're not quite right, you can AI the the images to be 
who, you know, a, a, like a perfect representation of you, but it's not you. Oh, that's it's something, You know, it, it's, yeah, it, it's very, very strange and odd and, and has, there's just, there's like no bounds. There are mm-hmm. no bounds to this. And so I agree with Mr. Hinton that if you, there's got to be some kind of regulation or some kind of way to contain or um, uh, make it so that it's not used for bad purposes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the uh, Black Mirror episodes. What That's why they're there. They're like a cautionary tale and reminder that, hey, you know, pay attention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The quest for all knowledge, like Adam and Eve, right? They ate the apple so that they would know all things. Right, right. We are are doing that to me. It's like, yeah, the quest for all knowledge and, you know, everything in the world of Google. It's just a, an ancillary tale, you know, running in the background here in my head. Anyway, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Let's talk about remote, blended, on-site, flexible work, working remotely. That is your business. So what tips, why why should we even care about this? What what can go wrong? Just tell us everything that you think we need to know. And keep in mind, we we don't have like you know, hours, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> I was going to say, how much time do we have? <laughs> okay. We got a lot here still. But my my opinion is that when people can work remotely, that they are much more productive. Mm-hmm. Because number one, they don't have the commute. Number two, they don't have to worry about, um, employers don't have to worry about spending money on square footage for building space, mm-hmm. which can be very, very expensive depending on where you are. Employers don't have to supply office supplies, you know, coffee, any of those things. And people can focus on what they're doing without the distractions of people dropping by their desk and wanting to chit chat for a moment. And, you know, those things that kind of take you off task and distract you from the the business at hand that you're working on for your employer. So and, and at least this has been my experience for me and um, and my team and from their feedback that when you're at home and you don't have those distractions, you get in your office in the first thing in the morning and you log in and you're just in, <laughs> you're just in. And before you know it, it may be one o'clock in the afternoon and you've missed lunch because you're just so focused and so um on top of whatever it is that you're doing because you don't have the distractions. And when you time block your work and you're, because several of our team members work for several different clients and they, you know, block their time and from, you know, eight to 10, they work for this client from 10 to 12, they work for that client, 12 to one, they're supposed to take a lunch, but (laughs) they forget (laughs) because they're so into what they're doing, you know, and that sort of thing. So when your productivity is uninterrupted, there's so much more that can get done in a day. And that's what's most important. And that doesn't happen in an office. Yeah, there is some value in being in an office and, um, you know, seeing people's eyeballs and shaking people's hands and, and that sort of thing. But in this day and age that we're still living in with this crazy COVID nonsense, you know, shaking hands isn't all it's cracked up to be either. So I'm just saying um, relationships can still be had and held even remotely. Uh, with regular, consistent communication, whether it's, you know, on your Slack channels and your Zoom calls and, you know, your regular, you know, 
morning coffees with girlfriends and things like that, just chit-chatting to get your day started or prayer calls and, you know, whatever it looks like. So you can still do community, still do life with other people, even though you're working remotely. So I am a huge proponent of remote work situations, uh, even though I know some people may not be the biggest fans. Yeah. Some jobs you can't do that, right? You know, whether it's like in hospitals or sometimes in, well, certainly fire departments, police, things like that. You have to have people together and it has to be a centralized location. But, you know, for what you're describing, you know, most regular businesses can have that flexibility. Um, It's nice to see the coworkers. So, you know, a hybrid model is a good one, too. Do you have like a list of tips or anything or have you started a book? I'm pretty sure you have. (laughs) I should. I certainly have learned a lot since starting this business. Um, But in terms of tips for how to make the most out of a remote work situation or is that the the question? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I think cannot be overemphasized enough is the importance of communication. When people are working remotely, they can tend to feel isolated from other people who may be in an office if, you know, other people go into an office and they can maybe tend to get forgotten about. So continuing to keep the remote people in the loop of communications and opportunities that may present themselves is super, super important. And then for those that are working remotely, communicate, 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 whether it's the status of a project, what you're working on, call recaps, the you know, so that everyone's on the same page cannot be emphasized enough. Everyone needs to, to know what is happening because in the eyes of some employers, if they can't see you, then nothing is happening, which is not true because there's a whole lot happening, but they don't know it. So you have to let them know what it is that you're doing on a regular basis, whether it's, you know, a couple times a day, once a day, you know, at least once a day, I think is a, a good best practice. Oh, that. I agree. Yeah. I know some companies do um, morning stand-up calls, like 15 minutes, mm-hmm. just to touch base and say, okay, what's on everybody's calendar? You know, is yeah. there any support needed? And then they'll also do, I really like some of these other suggestions. I've had these as tips on my podcast, but through that research, um, one company had recommended at the end of the day, everybody finish up with three great things that happened today. Mm-hmm. And I actually had him on my uh, podcast. It's, um, oh gosh, uh, Johnny, ooh, I'm going to have to go look for his last name. This is so <laughs> embarrassing. I don't have his last name. He wrote um, Cope Notes and it's an app and it helps people. Johnny Crowder. Yeah. Okay. And he talks about mental health all the time. Um, but he had, he and his team every day would share in a, they use Slack and say, okay, what are three great things that happened today? And oh. so I find that so cool to do. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to add that to my list of things to do with my team. Yes. There you go. Um, we have team meetings twice a, a month. And I think that this would be a great standing agenda items. Um, for- what are the three great things that happened? I'm going to say this week because um, we meet twice a month. Mm-hmm. But I love that. Um, we start our meetings with tell me something good. But I think that um, 
this is a, a great way to to end the meeting as well. Mm-hmm. There's another um, person that was a guest in my podcast. Her name is uh, Lauren Prager, and she's the CEO of Synapse Florida. And what she tells people is make it a great day. And mm-hmm. I love that one, too, because it's so intentional, you yes. know, yes. because that means that the power is on me instead of have a great day. And I went, wow, I've always been saying have a great day. And that's more of being on the receiving side. But when she started reframing it and made it, make it a good day, I went, wow, that's a very empowering statement. So I loved it. And I went, yes, I'm going to start saying that one too. So I give credit to the people that gave me these great ideas. They're not me. (laughs) I love that. One of the things, the way we sign off currently on our calls, um, I'm typically facilitating and I'll end the call by saying you were made for something great. So go and be awesome. Oh, I love that too. I love that too. I stole stole that from my church. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This sounds like it came from the Bible. I'm pretty sure, but you know, if not, yeah, it's totally good. And I don't think we consider it stealing. It's just that we're sharing and spreading, uh, we'll call it the good news. Right. Right. I, I I'm receiving that. I accept it. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes, me also. Some sometimes we have to speak that stuff to ourselves also. Right. So in the hybrid workplace, I'm going to go back to that one because I like it very much. I think it's maintains um for me, I like it because it helps us to remember to stay human and to connect with people. Um, I know it can be hard when you're working distributed. Most of the people that work with me are all over the United States and some are outside. They're outside of the U.S. Mm -hmm. So distributed teams and your tips on making sure that you're connected, you know, use those communication channels are so important. I could not agree with you more. Yes, so important, especially for those that are outside of the U.S. uh, who've made the choice to work you know, U.S. based hours, you know, it could be the middle of the night for them. And, yeah. and so they need to be engaged as well and and remembered. And uh, so even in our Slack channel that we use for uh, communicating uh, with the different team members, there could just be some levity in the Slack channel. Somebody might see something funny and post a funny GIF or, you know, or, or post a joke or something like that. And then people just respond to that just to stay engaged and just to stay a part of the community. And uh, it's just so fun, you know, because when we do finally see each other on our Zoom calls or whatever, it's like we can associate an, a name and a, a face with this funny thing that happened in the in the channel. Mm-hmm. So, So what are your thoughts about staying on camera? Personally, I think everybody should be on camera just because the more of our senses that we use, you know, we're obviously speaking. So, you know, there's auditory, there's listening. But when you see people, that's another one of your senses, those five senses, and it makes it more real. Otherwise, to me, like, why am I even on a Zoom call? It feels like I could just do this through a phone. Yes, absolutely. A Zoom call is nothing but a phone call if you're not on video. Yeah. So, um, and even and the, especially the importance of being on video is that you can see the body language still. Mm-hmm. See the eyes. You can see mm-hmm. the facial expressions when you say something, and that that's critical. Just like in regular face-to-face in the office, it's critical to see that body language, to see how your message is being received, to see if it might need to be delivered a different way or 
to draw someone out so that they given get an opportunity to express their thoughts about what is being said. But if they're not on camera, you can't. It, it's like you said, it's a it's a phone call. Yeah, I like the fact that you pulled up the visual and you were also you know, really reinforcing the ability to read the body language. That's so true because that's really where you're going to be able to see is, you know, maybe they're having a really bad day, you you know, because maybe because they're also on the, on the auditory side, maybe their, their child is crying in the background. Well, now that becomes, you know, there should be somebody there to take care of the child, hopefully, but that means that there's stress and you could probably read that on the employee's face. Absolutely. Absolutely. So video being on video, I agree with you 100%. It's another sense. It's another um, tool, you Mm -hmm. know, for us to develop deeper relationships and to develop a more intentional community uh, of caring. Mm -hmm. You also mentioned one other thing, and I think it's, I don't want to dismiss it. I really think it's important to bring it to light. Also, you mentioned that employees, they they will make a choice because we're not all in the same time zone. And I don't know where May lives. I think I asked her if she was in the Philippines and we're going to give a little shout out to her because she's awesome. That's one of your people, yeah. um, but she's not in the same time zone probably. And she's showing up in Eastern standard time. That's what time zone I'm in. What time zone are you? Eastern, same. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. So there's a, a 12 hour difference. And so wow. from what I understand is that um, a lot of the people who do work over there do work nights because they know that that's the Eastern time zone um, time frame. Yeah. And that's when most business is happening. And so they want to have daytime availability. And so they basically just let their families know or their families are doing the same thing, working nights. And then, you know, um, on, on our night times, then it's their daytime, and that's when yeah. they're sleeping and or resting or rejuvenating. Yeah, that's a big sacrifice, and um, but it can also be. I had a, a friend that was from California. He moved here. The cost of living is less, so it, you know his salary went up the charts. But he had to agree to work the California hours, so he was working at ten, eleven o'clock at night because that would have been you know six or seven their time. Right, right, exactly. And yeah, so it's it's a you know three hour difference from the mm-hmm. East Coast, but right, yeah, that, those time zones really make a difference, and uh, it's I'm so I'm very grateful and great, very appreciative of people making those adjustments because I worked third shift one time, um, not one of my summer jobs or anything, but when I was just new getting started, was, I worked at a grocery store. And, you know, in the grocery store, you got to restock the shelves at night so that in the morning when people come to shop, all the, the everything's lined up. And it's like magic, right? You know, right? Put it out there. <laughs> like the little elves come in at night and make it all nice and pretty. Well, yeah, I was an elf. Yeah. <laughs> and that was my job. And it was not easy to work third shift for me. It was a, quite a challenge. And so that's why I don't take that lightly at all. And I really um, express my appreciation for that. Mm. So what about um, any ethical dilemmas that you can foresee uh, working remotely? It's not the same as like working a job and you're starting your own company. I mean, people expect those kind of things to happen. But what ethical dilemmas do you see? Um, Some ethical dilemmas could be if a remote worker 
commits to an employer to work full-time for them, mm-hmm. but then they take on other full-time jobs because they're working remotely. That um, I think could be an ethical dilemma. Um, and it's actually stealing from the first employer because if you made a commitment to work 100% for them, then it needs to be 100% for them. Mm-hmm. That's just being honest. And so to be to carry that through and even to ensure that some employers have employee commitments or contracts where they say, if you mm-hmm. are given this remote work opportunity, you may not work any other outside job. And if you do, that's grounds for termination. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree with that, that that mm-hmm. should be the way that it is. And I actually had members on my team who didn't realize that that was the case. And they were like, this is, I can't do this. And so they, they left and it, you know, and I completely understood. I'm like, well, go. And so then I changed my process and my, uh, my vetting process to include that question. Do you currently have a full-time day job that prevents you from working a remote job? And they have to answer no, you know, that that is not my situation before I'll even move them through the the onboarding or hiring process. Mm, I'm so glad to hear that because I have heard of instances where uh, a couple of people have said, now, I don't know this to be true, but they've said, well, I have an employee that's working this job, which is full-time during these hours and another job, same full-time job or another role with a, a different company. And I went, wow, that, that just, that sounds wrong in so many levels. And yeah. I don't think that it can be productive to be honest, because I sit here and I think, how can you really be being that productive in this instance? Right. Well, because the, the thing is, when we get a traditional nine to five job in an office, how many of us actually worked the whole nine to five all day, every day? Mm, not many. Well, you know, I think some do. Yeah, to be fair. And I think it okay, actually. Some. OK, to, some. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some will. Some will sit there and because they don't want to, you know, mess with people or whatever. And the, there will be some. But, you know, for the most part, I think people, you know, take a little extra time. They'll go and check their, um, you know, email. They'll go and they do that even, you know, during the time they're working. And so there's these places where I go, I don't know, it's going to be really, really hard to to make sure that the ethics of maintaining um, transparency and just not taking advantage of a company. And it seems like that's going to have to be part of the terms and conditions that may be coming into the workplace. Right. It very well could be. And, you know, especially the the more people, I think from COVID, when people realize that work can be done remotely and Mm -hmm. that how much, better their quality of life was because of the time they got to spend with their family or, um, you know, people situations were definitely different, but people saw the value of life and the, um, especially as so many people in the beginning were dying so often, so, so frequently from the effects of COVID. And they were like, tomorrow's not promised. I'm not gonna be working for a company that doesn't value me, doesn't appreciate me, doesn't care about my situation, whatever it was. It just made them rethink the whole work-life balance situation. So that now employers have to you know, rethink how are they, what is the culture? that they are developing? How are they truly showing their employees that they matter? 
-hmm. and that they care and that, you know, yes, we're asking you to come into the office, but we also understand you might need an extra whatever long lunch break, or maybe we don't even count the time, just come back (laughs) kind of situation, you know, whatever it looks like. It's a whole new, it's a whole new job market and it's a whole new employer situation, I think. Yeah, I agree. And I think that um, flexible, <clears throat> sorry, flexibility is one of the things that many uh, employees are looking for. And I think that's something the concession, one of the concessions that employers are providing is, yeah. OK, yes, you know, we can we can accommodate these things, you know, whether it's a flex schedule or a hybrid approach or totally remote or, yeah. you know, different different things of that nature seem to help quite a bit with the employee retention. Yes, absolutely. One hundred percent. Okay, so we're going to be, it's hard to believe, but we're really getting ready to wrap up here. What is the best mentoring advice that you want to share with our listeners? Um, The best mentoring advice that I received from one of my mentors was stay on point and don't get comfortable. Mm. And I really appreciated that advice because what he was saying to me in effect is, Every day you need to be focused on giving 100% excellence because you don't know how long you're going to be here. That is true. I don't know how long you're going to be here. So every day needs to be excellent. So stay on point and um, don't get comfortable. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that for sure. Um, solid advice. You know, I haven't had anybody say it like that, you know, get, don't get comfortable and we have to get comfortable with not being comfortable. <laughs> that's the, that's the <laughs> challenge, right? Right. Uh, and making sure that every day is a day of excellence. I, I like that very much. So that's new. I haven't heard that one before and I've been doing this for six years. So <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, he's a very wise man. I really just, I'm so grateful for him. Ah, well, what's this person's name? His name is Forrest. (laughs) Okay, so people got some shout outs here today. (laughs) Hopefully you'll let them know, hey, listen, and I mentioned your name all the way at the end. So listen to the whole show. (laughs) Right, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, for sure. Um, How can our listeners contact you? Um, We generally provide, you know, a website and also your LinkedIn, your personal LinkedIn. But what would you like people to have? Well, I would love for people to reach out to me through text. And oh, I wow. Have- you're brave. You're going to give your phone number. <laughs> but it's actually, it's a text VA now. So it's the letter V is in Victor, A-N is in Nancy, O-W. So text VA now to 1-866-943-3591. And when they text that number, they'll get a little freebie that says, you know, how do you know when you're ready for a VA? And I would love to talk to them about what they read. Okay. That is very innovative. You held on to that one all the way to the end. That is super cool. I like that. So hopefully we're going to see some good results. So they would text, the number is 866-943-3591, right? And then you said V-A-N-O-W. Yes, V-A now. Yeah, virtual assistant now. So... All right. I'm going to, I'm going to, you're going to have to tell me how to set that one up later off the air. So, so good. Well, I want to say thank you so much, Renee, for being a guest on my show. This has been so much fun. You, you 
fun is one of your words and you made it fun for me. So thank you so much. I Uh, have been um, delighted and actually learned so much also. Well, it has truly been an absolute honor and a privilege to be on your show. And I'm so excited for you and what the future holds for you. You are doing amazing things. You're impacting lives, changing lives uh, with your show. And I'm so grateful to you for and for this invitation. Thank you. Oh, well, I want to tell our listeners, be sure to tune in to uh, our Employers for Change brings you the intern whisper and you can hear this great show coming out it releases just so everyone knows december 26th so it's going to be a christmas gift (laughs) yay (laughs) well renee take care and i look forward to talking with you again soon sounds great thank you isabella bye-bye we want to thank our sponsor cat5 studios and thank you to our video team gabe laporte tommy myers andrew pigott and julissa hurtado music is by charles lawrence lee and you can visit employers for change at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusive culture while scaling your people for the future work Thank you for supporting The Intern Whisperer by subscribing to us on Podbean, our Employers for Change YouTube channel, or streaming from your favorite podcast channel.